sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. Here we are in the age of Zoom. In the midst of a COVID-19 pandemic, I'm here in my office. Haven't been able to come into the office much because of the shelter-at-home restrictions. They've been eased up a little bit here in Ventura County, California, where I live. And um, yes, well, this has been quite the challenge for many of us. For the first time in our lives, we've been told that we cannot go to church. We can't have a normal worship service. And surely many of us are asking, how can that be consistent with the First Amendment? How is it that our religious freedom isn't being violated when we can't go to church? And there are some who are grumbling and saying things like, well, how is it that the liquor store is open and people can go to the marijuana dispensary, but we can't go and worship? Why is uh, worship not essential? So these are very important questions. And let's start analyzing them by breaking down the types of restrictions that have been imposed. So first off, we have the restrictions on large public gatherings, right? They started out pretty much restrictions on 50 or more, and 25, and 10. And so clearly, uh, there's concern that the virus can be spread by public gatherings. And in fact, there are a variety of church gatherings around the country that have been identified as places where the virus was spread in March in particular. So one set of restrictions has to do with public gatherings. The next set of restrictions has to do with the breakdown of what constitutes essential services that are allowed to continue, things such as grocery stores, hardware stores. And, and this is where people grumble that, that liquor stores are included, but, but churches are not included. Now, in California, initially, there was no mention of religion at all in the list of essential services. And then when that was brought to the governor's attention, what was added was permission to for a small group to go to church and uh, observing uh, safety measures, uh, distancing and masks and such, to broadcast live stream services so that there was some accommodation made there. Then the final set of restrictions has to do with the shelter in place, which goes by various names in various places. But the basic premise is, the best way to uh, to beat the transmission of the disease, which is you know easily contagious, is simply to not go anywhere, to stay home and not get exposed. So the more that you go out, the more you go places, no matter how careful you are, you're going to increase the risk of exposure. So what we were trying to do as a nation was to say to people, stay home, don't go out any more than necessary. All right, so three sets of restrictions. And the courts have been challenged um, primarily by independent churches. None of the denominations have expressed any uh, 
dispute or or criticism uh, for the most part. Maybe excesses. I believe it was um, Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York who was frustrated early on by the resistance from uh, some Orthodox Jewish congregations, and uh, he threatened to shut down houses of worship permanently. Well, that clearly was uh, uh, an intemperate uh, expression, and he didn't act on it, thankfully, but uh, it was out of line, clearly. Uh, you don't shut down houses of worship permanently. That's just not how we do things here in the United States, right? That really would be a violation of religious freedom. So, for the most part, uh, ever since 1990 uh, and a ruling by the Supreme Court, the constitutional right to free exercise has not enjoyed particularly strong protection, in fact, very weak protection. And so the, the primary question that courts ask is whether um, any given law or legislative scheme, regulation, uh, government action, whether it was discriminatory, whether it targets religion, or whether it is generally applicable. So in this case, the restrictions on large public gatherings, clearly those apply generally to all public gatherings. And so that's really the end of the inquiry. And the same is true for the shelter in place. That really does apply to everybody. It's not just singling out religious people or people who want to go uh, to worship or participate in some kind of religious service. It's, it's generally applicable. So it's hard to argue that under this uh, legal analysis, it's hard to argue that they're discriminatory or that they violate religious freedom. Where there is some room for argument, I think, is in how essential services are defined. Now, for the most part, the courts are looking at this, and they're saying, look, there is a very important distinction between, uh, let's say, Home Depot and other businesses, including liquor stores and, uh, and church. So when you go to a store, you go to purchase product or products. And uh, you're not there to meet with people, to engage with people. Uh, you're there to purchase your product and go home. So that presents one level of risk. Now, early on, you know, I have been out and about some. And early on, uh, when we were in what I call the toilet paper craze, uh, the local Costco, I think, was too crowded. They were not restricting access the way they started doing when they got their act together. More recently, if you go to any of the major stores here, the grocery stores or the big box stores, uh, they will restrict access and they'll make sure that um, the volume in the store is such that people can stay away from each other. And at least here in Southern California, that's what I've been finding. People are staying away from each other and it's pretty safe. And I've been comfortable uh, going out, uh, despite having in my family someone who is immunocompromised. And uh, so it's a, you know, I, I'm trying to be especially careful. Well, so the courts have said there's a difference between uh, the risk factor of going to buy a product and going to church, where your very purpose in going to church is 
not only to, to listen or to participate somehow in the program, but to meet with people and to engage with people. In fact, separate and apart from these restrictions, I've reviewed a number of the uh, governor's plans in different states to reopen. And it's true whether they are Bible Belt states, Republican governors, uh, Democratic governors, they'll pretty much follow a similar um, plan where there's, you know, the restrictions is called phase one. The first kind of limited loosening of the restrictions is phase two. Phase three is a more broad easing of restrictions. And uh, so-called high-risk businesses are placed into category of phase three. And churches are routinely identified in both Republican and Democratic-controlled states as high-risk. Well, I think that's right. I mean, I'm not a doctor, an epidemiologist, or whatever, but I think the, the risk factors from being in church uh, for a period of time in a closed space with a number of other people and, uh, you know, greeting them, et cetera, even if you keep hands off, I, I do think it's a much higher risk situation than simply going to the grocery store. I really don't feel a problem. You know, I go to the grocery store, I come out, I use my hand sanitizer, you know, I've got my mask on, um, take my shoes off. Uh, I really don't feel like there's a whole lot of risk from that. I would feel very differently about being in church. So for starters, in our analysis, when we have this ordinary scrutiny applied, we see that as long as the legislative scheme is non-discriminatory and it applies generally to everybody, really doesn't raise a religious freedom issue. Well, some states have um, religious freedom restoration act provisions, and these require the courts to apply what's known as strict scrutiny. And in these cases, the states have to demonstrate that they have a compelling interest in restricting religious freedom. And even those cases that have been filed, the uh, the churches will concede that the interest in combating the, the virus pandemic is a sufficiently compelling state interest. The question then becomes whether in order to achieve this interest, uh, there are ways to achieve it that are less restrictive of the church. So far, um, I'm trying to count score. I'm going to say it's at least five to one against the church. Uh, in terms of the court decisions. But um, I don't have an accurate count. There was one decision for the church in the state of Kentucky. And, and that's kind of a special case because it was a kind of a hand-picked judge who is, um, has political aspirations, who's kind of been hand-chosen by the Conservative Federalist Society. And um, to, to kind of show the problem with lack of impartiality in this case, when he first was presented with a request for injunctive relief, he granted the injunctive relief, he granted the court order that the church asked for without even waiting for uh, the defendant to submit a response. Judges just don't do that. 
You know, that's the kind of stuff that gets judges sanctioned and kicked off the bench. You just don't do that sort of thing. You know, that's like the definition of being partial, of being unfair, is only hearing from one side and giving them what they want without even considering the other side's position. So, you know, that's kind of a special case, and it remains to be seen whether other courts follow it. Uh, but again, under even under strict scrutiny, you know, the question is, well, does the state have valid interest and evidence that um, exempting churches would pose an unacceptable risk of transmission? And the problem for churches making these arguments is that there have been too many uh, cases where the virus has been spread by churches. Perhaps the most notorious was in mid-March. A, a choir met in Mount Vernon, Washington, 60 people, and they were practicing social distancing. They were using hand sanitizer, and 45 of the 60 people got the virus. Two people died. And, you know, this was not an isolated incident. Uh, there have been incidents all over the country where churches have been implicated. And so for the state to say, yeah, the church really is a risk. And if we're going to fight this virus, we can't have people gathering in churches any more than we can have them going to the baseball game or going to the rock concert. So, um, yeah, at this point, when it comes to the religious freedom issues, it's pretty clear that the state does have a right to restrict our ability to go to church. The question is, for how long and when will we be able to return? Well, this has been Freedom's Ring, a special COVID-19 edition. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, keep freedom ringing.